is Amalia Eon Karras. This is Satya. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to Love, Sex, Sex and, and the, the Hidden, Hidden Agenda. Agenda. Our podcast was created with the sole intention to release toxic shame, illuminate our shadow nature, and expose the mysterious entities that feed off our most precious life force, our sexual energy. To learn more about our life-enhancing courses and transformational retreats, visit knowtheself.com. Let's dive in. So that time that you were in India and you were poisoned by those gurus, remember that? (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I do remember that. It was a bit of a drama in my life. It was horrible. I almost died. I I woke up five days later in a hospital. Five days had passed. I lost five days. And didn't you design like a curriculum or you were like teaching in front of hundreds of people or something? Like what was? Yeah, I, I was business partners with these gurus because they had a big piece of land. I was in India working with them because I was a permaculture consultant and I had been developing these eco communities. My vision was that we should be able to have like a live workspace where everybody, you know, lived off the land. It was 100% eco friendly and we grew all our own food. We had our own power and then we had, you know, buildings that were made 100% eco the whole nine yards. And I had been developing it for many, many years. And so when I met these gurus, they had a big piece of land and they wanted, they needed help um, creating this, this vision, a spiritual school they wanted to build. Yeah. So I started working with them and we, we talked about being business partners for almost a year. Like I had multiple meetings with them and then I decided to join them. And in six months, I, Basically, I had already had, I mean, this was my life's work. So I had 10 years worth of writing and developing, and I'd already developed these communities elsewhere. So when I joined forces with them, I kind of had the whole thing ready to go. But I, I basically in six months built, I, I'm the one who um, developed their, their land for the first time. Nothing had ever been, they'd owned the land for like eight years. Nothing had ever been there. So I actually was got deathly ill two times working with them. The first time was so weird because I had gone, I was living uh, on their land. I was, I had a staff of, I don't know, like 50 volunteers and we had raised millions of dollars from all my writing and all my, my vision about it. We raised a bunch of money, millions and millions of dollars. Like they had, were they all men? I'm just curious. Um, They were married couples, but I was only allowed meetings with the men. The women would never come in the meetings. And I recorded every meeting and I took notes in every meeting, every decision I recorded because I knew something was going to go wrong. Wow. Thank God you had that intuition. But I mean, they, they don't know, they didn't know anything about any of this and you you talk they, didn't, they had no idea about permaculture or organic farming or eco development no all they had was a big piece of land and a vision to have a spiritual school um but they had that land and that vision for eight years and never did anything with it and then 
when I arrived, I had the entire framework, the community framework. I had a, a huge document I had been working on for 10 years, like how a community should operate, all the invisible structures, like how do we deal with, you know, volunteers and business structures and um, how do we create agreements and how do we deal with issues that come up like disagreements? So it was this whole handbook and I had handed it to them for review. It was like a hundred page document to review. And suddenly I'm so sick, like, uh, I have a fever. I'm shaking. I had some weird neurological issue, super scary. Like I couldn't move my spine and I was in bed for like four or five days. This was the first time I was in bed for like four or five days. And at the end of it, I had a crazy fever. I couldn't move. I couldn't eat. And nobody, um, I was in their apartment complex. And one of the wives of the men who was supposed to be like making sure I got food and she's supposed to be taking care of me. Um, she wouldn't give me anything, but like the food that I couldn't eat, like I'm allergic to wheat. And I couldn't have any spice. And that's all she would serve me to my room. So obviously I couldn't eat. And I would say, no, I just want papaya. I just want juice. I just, and she said, no, we, we don't have fruit, which is such bullshit. There's like a fruit guy downstairs that walks by the house every day. So I had my friends like smuggling fruit into the house. Their place works mm. like a fortress yeah. because they're famous gurus and so the godly, right? On it. She was horrible. That woman was like the wicked witch of the world. And, um, and I mean, the symptoms you're describing and like just weird neuro neurological, I mean, that sounds like poison to me. Anyway, go ahead. It, it was very weird. And the main guru was away, like in the USA, I guess. And I was in India at the house where his academy runs. Um, and then when I woke up on the like, I think it was like seven days after this whole thing, I was like bedridden. And so the project sort of stalled while I was that sick. And when I woke up, they're like, we need you to proof the book. And I was like, what book? Yeah, we need you to proof it. It's going out. We have, we have a thousand copies being printed tomorrow. And I was like, of what? And I come down and they have like the second, it was like a five story building. And the apartment I was living on was the top. And I come down to the lower level where the offices are and hot off the press is all of my, my thesis of communities printed out with their name on it. My name nowhere. They're like the authors of my paper, like my life's work. And, um, and I said, why are you printing this? And they said, no, this, I'm like, you haven't even come back to me. I sent this to you just as a conversational piece. Like, I don't even know if you understand. I don't think you understand what I'm writing. Like, we need to discuss all these bylaws and really, like, this is a community handbook, like how a community should run. It's the laws of the community. And they just printed it with, at, with their own title, total. And I was just so... I guess I was pretty, he was not my guru. Let's just make that clear. He was a friend of mine who, but he's so magical and mystical and masterful. And he comes across as the most humble, peaceful, Buddha-like person. I think I was in such a state of shock and disbelief that they would just so blatantly rip off my work that I couldn't speak for myself. And I was also so sick. I was having like, 
107 fever. I could barely move when I was proofing. So I, I didn't have the strength to say like, wait, you can't, you can't print this without my name and my approval and stop the presses. So by the time I was actually fully back to my health, which was like another week later, that book had already been distributed in the thousands and they had raised millions of dollars off of that writing because of course it's this utopian community vision of equality, which all Indians are looking for because it's a caste system. So my version of community to them was like, to the people was a godsend. So they used my work to attract and they had me speak on stages. So having the white girl in a very Indian culture, you know, speak and attract all this um, attention on their community project. And suddenly people were quitting their jobs to join me in this community. They wanted to learn farming. They, I had two guys that were like my right-hand volunteers. They were both in tech in Bangalore. They quit their jobs and moved out to the boonies to help me and to learn like apprentice under me in my land management. And I kept telling them like, I'm not a follower of this guru. Like, this is my thing. This is their thing. We're business partners on this. And they were like, no, no, we just want to be where you are. We want to do what you're doing. And then slowly the, the, the poisoning. <laughs> so, they made, so they made like millions off of this. Oh yeah. 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 Millions, millions of dollars of they off of my work. Mm -hmm. You've given them all of this. Of course, nobody thinks when it's happening, no human being thinks, oh, they're purposely doing this and I'm, be I'm being, nobody can process that because it's so far out of the realm. If you're a normal, healthy person, that is. But I've heard stories like this before. It gets worse. Oh God. Okay, go ahead. It gets worse. That was the first time. The second time, it was like a year later when the millions of dollars had been raised, we had built multiple things on the community property. The guru was calling me the mother of that land. And so he was like, he was putting me on a pedestal. And of course I was feeding my ego, like here's this very powerful, magical man. And he's putting me in front of audience after audience after audience. I didn't even realize that I liked to do public speaking or that I had much to teach. So he definitely... He was grooming you. He made you think, like, even though it was true, you were fully capable of all of that. But he knew. He was like, oh, here's this genius woman and I'm going to give her all the praise so she trusts me completely. And then I'm going to take everything and That's kill That's exactly her. what happened. Yeah. And then the second time his guru, so his teacher is a bigger guru. Like oh my God. the guru that I was a business partner with, he's got, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers, like believers, but his guru has millions. So then his guru has, has this big conference, spiritual conference every year where they bring in the best from the West or from all over the world onto one big conference. It's a, it's a spiritual global conference. And they have like, I don't know, about 15 to 20 speakers of, you know, the best, the West has, you know, a lot, a lot of Hay House authors and stuff like that. He, they yeah. bring them. Um, and they asked me to be the Indian ambassador for the foreigners, because obviously these foreigners 
they want to see an American or someone who understands their culture guiding them. So I happily volunteered because, of course, some of these people coming to speak were like my mentors, books I had read that changed my life, really amazing Western women. And so I was the ambassador to them, like their person um, during this five-day conference. And on the first day, everything was great. I met them and I felt good to be representing India and be their sort of ambassador. And they were so happy that someone like them was their assistant person to show them around. And was this after the first poisoning? After, because I actually, the first time it happened to me, I mean, first I thought I just got sick. I mean, I never imagined. They just wanted to get you through the sign this. Oh yeah. It, It just happened. And I didn't, it bothered me, but I didn't have the voice and strength. And I thought that this is my project and they're putting me on stage all the time. So oh, yeah. I think I, the first time it happened, it was sort of like, okay, I'll, I don't know, I'll go with it because everything was like, we were working so hard. You know, you work like all day long and I was living with them. So it was like 24 hours a day. I'm working the seven days that I couldn't move, had some weird neurological problem, thought I was going to be like, handicapped for the rest of my life. And then miraculously, they give me one pill and I'm fine. And in that time, when I was that sick, they published my work without me having any strength to debate it. Okay, so then it's already out in the world. So I can't like resend the thousands of copies that they've put out. There was no conversation. And after that, things started progressively getting more bad. And I I warned them that I had these issues and I asked the main guru, we need to sit down. We need to talk. Like there's some serious issue. And they knew I was getting pissed. And I said, I'm going back to where I live, which was a different state until this gets resolved. And then while I was back home, I get the invitation to be the ambassador to these famous people who they know that I adore. You know, here I am getting to like befriend some people that I really admire Right. So they got me hooked back in without ever addressing my my issues that I was asking to be addressed. And so then the next big event happens. And of course, everybody's working 24 hours, crazy deadline thing again. And during that event, um, so Dolores Cannon showed up and I was not supposed to be her assistant, but because there were so many delegates and I mean, there were thousands of people at this event. They were like, um, you know, Amelia, we really need your help with Dolores. She's she's a handful and we we can't handle her. Um, please go speak to her. She's very upset. And so I went as the only American ambassador there to go talk to Dolores. And I don't know if you know who she is, but yeah, yeah. she's the most famous. Yeah, she's very famous. And I know her as the hypnotist for all the ET cases. And since I have a lot of ET experience in childhood, and these gurus know that, of course, I was partly thinking, oh, what if she hypnotizes me? But I felt weird around her. And when I met her, oh my God, it was the most horrible experience. She was unbearable. No wonder all the Indians were passing her off to each other and then to me. And they were like, we, they told me we can't handle her. And it was the weirdest thing, but she's the last person I saw. And suddenly while I was with her, I got so sick, so absolutely sick. 
I just started profusely vomiting. I remember dismissing myself from her, trying to hold it together, but it was something around her. I was just nauseated, like super sick. And then I went to my room, was very, very violently ill. And then I don't know, somebody knocked on my door, one of the other Indian staff members. And the next thing I know, they're pushing me into a van to go to the hospital. And I was like, I'm not going to the hospital. No. And we're in the middle of nowhere, mind you. And I was like, no, no, I'm not going to the hospital. Just call. There's like 20 world famous shamans that are my friends that are there in the same building. So I said, please call the shamans. Like just call these. And I was calling them by name. Call this person, call this person. These people can help me right now. I'm under some sort of weird psychic attack. (laughs) Yes, I'm sick, but something's weird is happening. Something's going on. And they said, no, 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 no. Just, we need you to get you to the hospital right away. And that's the last thing I remember. So weird. Super scary. And in the moment, you really, you're just having like a fever. So, I mean, mostly people wouldn't be like, you I must- was vomiting. I mean, I was a bit out of it. I remember being very, very dizzy and delirious and vomiting. And I remember being pushed in this car with people I don't know. And mind you, I know hundreds of people at the event. There's thousands there. I know hundreds. Not one person that I know was with me when they put me in the van to take me to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And they take me to a hospital that is not in Bangalore City. It's like some countryside hospital. And I remember the initial nurses trying to take, I, I was kicking people. I was angry. Like, don't touch me. Who are you? And then the next thing I remember is they're discharging me and my ex-husband, he was in the room to pick me up. And I was like, how did you get here? And I don't know who called him, but somehow he was there. And then they give me the discharge papers to sign. And five days had gone by. Five days. What? Five days. I guess I had been asleep for five days. I don't even know what happened in five days. I don't remember anything except arriving and leaving. And five days were gone. And I was so confused. Well, I had jaundice. I mean, I was, but I was so sick. I mean, it took a year for me to get healthy again. I never spoke, I never spoke to them again. Uh, I never spoke to any of those people again. And nobody called to see if I was okay. Nobody from nobody from the conference called me or checked on me or came to visit me. And I was uh, a main person of the event. I never I never heard from them again. Nobody reached out to me again. Whoa. And I just silently I mean, I, my health was in such a crisis. I mean, I literally was teetering for three months. I was bedridden three full months. I couldn't function. Like I needed 24 seven care. And, Mm. and it took a year. I ended up leaving India to come back to the States to get healthy because I just couldn't get healthy there. So at the time, like when, I mean, at the time you just think, gosh, what's all this freak stuff happening? Something's not right. Something doesn't make sense. Where are the people I know? What's, why am I being ushered here? And so when did you start to piece it together that this, this is what actually took place? Well, 
yeah, the whole like they poisoned me thing kind of happened many years later because I really didn't. I mean, I just took it like, okay, I had jaundice. I got sick on their watch. I remember Dolores Cannon being the last person I talked to. Oh, what happened was uh, one of the delegates who was one of the chefs, she called me many months later, maybe like six months later, she contacted me um, through email and she said, I've been thinking about you so much. Where are you? I said, oh, I'm back in the States. And she said, oh, thank God. Are you still working with those guys? And I said, no, no, I'm not working with them. And I never told anybody what happened. But basically, I left because I was just so disgusted how they were running everything. And instead of making a big scene, because it was such it was such a big community and I had such a voice. I didn't want to gossip or anything. So I never told anybody what happened. I just silently removed myself, went back to the States and kind of licked my own wounds. I wasn't trying to throw anyone under the bus. I, and she, and she was from New Zealand. She flew to the U S to meet me. We, we worked on something in the US together, but we spent like five days together. And she said, I have to talk to you. You were in so much danger. And I was asking everyone where you were. And I, she kept seeing something about me. And they told her that I left. Because she kept saying, where's Amalia? Where, you know, I want to talk to Amalia. And I was asking for her by name when I was sick, please bring her here. Oh my and God. Um, they said that they told her that I had just left which was a flat out lie. Like I was so deathly ill and asking for her. And then she said that um, she had many visions that I was like in danger and, and another woman there, another very famous woman, they warned me also that um, something was on me. And I was thinking, you know, this is all sort of spiritual stuff, but they said, no, this guru you know, you're powerful, but he has something on you and you're in danger and we think you shouldn't be involved. My ex-husband warned me that I shouldn't work with them, that I should not. And I just couldn't see that he was capable of anything. You know, he has such a sweet face. If, if I said his name and you know him, everybody's going to say like, no, he's just the most compassionate. He's a vegan. He's all about meditation. Well, I can tell you, it's not freaking true. Like it was so disturbing for me. And it was about, I don't know, it must've been like four or five years after I, you know, all this, I almost died thing. And I was back in the States and I started putting stuff together and I was talking about it. And um, then the third person, a friend, um, a family friend, he's a Japanese businessman, very serious guy. He's not into all this guru stuff. I was telling him, he's like, oh yeah, you got poisoned. So when the third person told me I was poisoned by them, wait, what? You think that too? I thought this was just like spiritual shamans making it kind of sometimes, you know, in the spiritual world, people make the dark and light so grandiose, like demonize yeah. each other. Yeah. I thought it was something like that. I was like, okay, yeah, he's maybe not the good person I thought. Like I could see his shadow. I saw he was having an affair on his wife. I saw many things when I was up close working with him. Mm -hmm. So he was not on that pedestal for me. He was just a friend, like a normal friend who mm -hmm. has a lot of magical abilities. But then when I saw, when I really sat with it, like, oh my God, I was poisoned twice. Like they tried to kill me off. And I was remembering like, oh, they're the ones who took me to the doctor. They're the ones 
who had me removed. And I was talking to another very powerful guy in India. And he said, because I was washing the guru's hands clean of everything and sort of pointing to one of the wicked women, I said. Mm-hmm. And he and that powerful man told me, oh, you think that the guru doesn't know? He's orchestrating the whole thing. And I was like, oh, come on, that's not possible. And he told me that so many times. And then just last year in November, I went back to India. I did a retreat there and I brought some students with me. It's been six years since I had returned. Mm-hmm. I met the woman who took my job after me mm-hmm. and something similar happened to her. And she, synchronistically, we met up. It was so ironic how we met. I was meeting three, I told three Indian women I was returning. Oh my God. And the day I was arriving, all three of them were at the same place. I didn't even know they knew each other, but they were working together. And I had no idea they know each other. And they had no idea that they knew me. What? Yeah. And I arrived and the woman who took my job, she said, do you know, I took your job after you left. And then she she pulled me aside for two hours. She just told me her story and how they stole hundreds of thousands of dollars from her. They stole all her life's work. And she, yeah. And I was like, what? And that's when I just, I thought I had been a little bit paranoid. I thought it was because I was sick and I was alone and disturbed and distressed that he wasn't as good as I thought, but no, I realized it was all really dark, evil stuff, uncomprehensible to me that they would purposefully hurt someone. My gosh. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. So just last November, it sunk in. So this was like, I guess this all happened like eight years ago now. And just this last November, I realized it was real. Like it fi- I finally sat with, oh my God, they did that to me. That actually happened. And I had to like sit with it, sit with it, not just, you know, I kind of always knew it, but it was sort of, oh, but I had all these excuses for them, like tons of excuses because I really loved him. He was like my best friend for the time I worked with him. And he was so magical. <sighs> okay. That is so disturbing. I feel like very entertained by that story, but also like angry and I want to protect you from that. I mean, that is just, it makes me so upset that these things happen, but there you go. I mean, that's like the hidden pieces in those kinds of, well, in some of the, those kinds of places and communities and, you know, people think gurus or whatever. I I never had the guru worship thing like you. We've talked about this in previous episodes. Like neither of us have ever like looked for a guru. When I went to India, I was not looking for a guru at all. I was, I went there to open a a retreat center and have a farm. And what I wasn't, was I, what I was not prepared for was them making me a guru because that's what they did to me. And it was kind of intoxicating. I mean, and it was weird, but it freaked me out because you know, I would walk around with them and literally people come and touch me and pray to me and think I'm some goddess. Like if they touched me or came close or got my photo. And I was like, you have no idea about my background and who I am. And I was so nervous that if they ever found out about my family, my past, my stories, that 
that they would probably be the first ones to throw stones, you know? It wouldn't jive, or even if they knew that I was married to a Brahmin Indian man and divorced him. And I, I had to get out of that role. And, I'm so um, sorry that happened. I mean, really, that's heartbreaking. Like, uh, gosh, I mean, you could have just been a part of it. They could have just shared a little bit of money with you and just not had to try to kill you. And that's well, it. It, the ironic thing. I never asked them for money. I, I was working for free purposefully. I told them not to pay me because I had plenty of my own money. And ironically, while working with them, I had my entire life savings stolen. That that also happened while oh, I was in no. while I was with them. I was on location working for them and I returned home to my house being burglarized of all my money. Um okay. I was thinking it's just like a string of bad luck. I mean, I have no proof that they poisoned me or anything like that. I don't that. believe in strings of bad luck. I don't believe in strings of bad luck. It was so deeply, deeply disturbing because these were the only, the only reason I was working with him is because he treated me like a friend. He was not treating me like a devotee. He doesn't act like he wants to, he doesn't, he, what he says and what he does are totally opposite. I realized, and it took me time being very close to him, his wife. They, I'm the first person outside their family that they've ever even allowed inside the trustee meeting. I'm the first foreigner they've ever allowed inside the company. I mean, it worked, it worked. I helped them build their, their organization and their school is still running, albeit something happened. Oh, you know, this is really interesting. For almost a year after I left, their project came to a screeching halt. Nothing worked. And there, we had a team of psychics that we all meditate together and read information. And they called a, like an emergency meeting to read the land, understand what happened. And one of the psychics, um, their main psychic, she called me afterwards and she said, uh, can I talk to you? And, and why did you leave the project? And I said, no, I have no comment. I never, I wouldn't tell anybody what happened I, because I wanted to tell them directly, but they wouldn't even meet me. And um, I said, I have no comment. Why? And she goes, well, they asked me to do a reading. Why the project stalled and all five of the psychics, I think she told me there were five of them. They all said it was from a woman's grief there's oh. a grieving and her she her grief is locked in the land it's one with the land Whoa. and they said can you see who the woman is and she didn't tell them but she knew it was me oh my gosh and she said i couldn't say your name i was you told me not to tell in her vision i told her don't tell them it's me yeah wow so I don't know how successful they've been, but, and the, the other guru, like his teacher, he flat out told me one day over breakfast, we were just hanging out on this huge, another big property holding of theirs. And we're having breakfast. And he just said, yeah, you know, I choose all these stupid people because the, this 
they're like lower middle class Indians. He said India is full of them. It's the largest number of people in India is this lower middle class. He goes, they're educated enough to not be illiterate, but they're stupid as fuck and they're super gullible and I'm getting their vote because he has a political agenda and he has his own political party and everything and it's gaining steam. And he told me that he's like, they're idiots. They're just idiots. Wow. Like, yeah. And the amount of things I heard and I was like, I cannot affiliate with these people. What is this? Oh my gosh. Thank God you're alive. Thank you. <laughs> That's terrible. Horrible. I do kind of think it's fascinating though, on another note, how they, how they have people, you know, meditate and see and stuff like that for certain things. I think that's really cool. I mean, I know our government does that, but they don't, you know, nobody talks about All powerful people do it. All All the powerful. I mean, and in the East, it's so normal and, and many, well, I think every government has a psychic arm and every extremely wealthy person has a group of psychics. I mean, it's just, you have to- Some of the wealthiest tech, um, I won't say their name, but they have like monks or people living with them and advisors or people who are meditating and tapping into the, the energy of what's going on and advising. It's all the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it, anybody who's come into power knows that they need to have a team of other um, seers along with them because it's it's not all what we see the invisible realms are often more important than the physical because it informs the physical like some of them like some of these really powerful people have made alliances with really dark entities and that's how they've come into power and part of their gig is to feed those entities in exchange for power. Like I've seen it firsthand. I've been very close to it and um, it's really disturbing and interesting. And they, they know, they know what your weakness is. They know what you need to hear. They know um, how they can hook you or how they can find your your Achilles heel like Jeffrey Epstein he had like blackmail on everyone who he tempted with a young girl and then he had their name right so then he owns them same thing in in every industry whether they're dealing with you know child sex slaves um or just power controls they find a way to either capture your darkest secret and use it against you or whatever it is I mean it's right super fascinating that whole power oh. dynamic trip but yeah no thank you well thank you for sharing that story i know that that's not easy and there's probably people from that community that will probably hear this eventually and you might have to take some flack off that or whatever but um but it's out they done been outed yeah well if you know if i like mysteriously die suddenly right. <laughs> i'll write the name down and leave it with Satya. No. <laughs> i'm gonna like send it to 20 people <laughs> so go after them <laughs> and i will <laughs> because you know i don't die and it's very hard to kill me many people yeah. have tried <laughs> i'm still here oh. oh my god yeah there there is some karmic judge i can tell you that for yeah. sure <laughs> yeah and 
Yeah, I'm I'm the year of the rat. Like we are really hard to kill. <laughs> I never heard that before about the year of the rat. That's cool. Yeah, that's not an easy thing to to even acknowledge or um, nobody wants to believe that. And, you know, usually the human mind goes to work to try to do anything but believe something like that. But it seems pretty clear. Seems your kitty, your kitty's really cute. Thank you. In the little, in the, in the name, I should have named us Satya and Leo. This is yeah. my Leo kitty. Yeah, for the people listening, Satya's like all cuddled up with her white fluffy kitty, Leo. He's very furry purry. He's very purry. He's a very loud purr, although he's asleep now. Mm. Yeah, well, thanks for holding space and getting me to say it. It's kind of scary, but I feel like, okay, well, what I know from my past is when I air out some of these things, it helps me heal them, even though it's scary. Yeah, and no doubt, you know, there's somebody listening who maybe something is, you know, similar is happening. I know it happens in personal relationships, like their partner did things like that to them. And, um, you know, these things happen. So, well, hopefully it won't happen to anyone listening. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, Satya. You're welcome, Amelia. Thank you. To learn more about our life enhancing courses and transformational retreats, visit knowtheself.com.